Hi, welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share firsthand experiences on making mobile interactions work. I'm Kevin, and I'm part of the team here at Tintech. On today's episode, we have the conclusion of our conversation with programmable communications analyst, Alan Quayle. So here's part two of our conversation with Alan. Take it away, Gene. Alan, welcome back to the show. In our previous episode, we talked a lot about some of the changes that happened. And after 2020, here we are, some of the circumstances still prevailing. But I want to force us to look beyond that. So I would really want to get to what is likely to happen and why, so that you can yep. come back at the end of 2021 and do a re- little checklist of what happened and what didn't happen. <laughs> so feel free to take your battle. So let's just kind of quickly le- recap that. Is this going to be continuing? Is this going to be still part of what is going to fuel programmable yeah. communications? So we've got a long hard slug ahead of us. We still have to get vaccines distributed. It's going to take time. There are a lot of people that have been indoctrinated by basically the paid shills of creepy billionaires. It's not going to happen quickly to getting to the point of significant herd immunity. It really will be Q3 of this year. So the first half of this year, it's still going to feel like it has through the three quarters or two thirds of 20. 20. So all the band-aids, as I mentioned, will still be there, but we're going to see, because of new budgets, new financial years, a rationalization. Because it's like, okay, you know, we increased IT budgets because of the pandemic, but we need to get things down and back to normal. So we'll see, I think, this rationalization across both customer and employee communications. I mean, we've seen ridiculous numbers in terms of like Infobip raising 200 million, MessageBird raising 100 million, Cisco buying iMobile for a massive multiple. So there's a lot of cash and that cash hasn't gone away. It's basically burning holes in, uh, you know, basically the companies that raised it pockets because the investors are looking at them and saying, show me the growth, show me the growth. You know, so we're going to see a lot more activity and even more frenetic than happened through the last half of 2020. I know I'm being a little negative here, but I think Q3 will be when things start to feel better. It will still be social distancing. You know, there'll still be some people who aren't ready to, you know, go to an event. You know, they will still want that remote option. So I think Q3 will be a transition. I think Q4 will be when things start to get a little bit more normal. You know, it will be to that point where, you know, you can go to a friend's and have dinner together without wearing masks and not worry about sharing dinnerware. You know, it'll be sort of, you know, I don't mean sharing glasses, but, you know, not bringing your own glasses and then sitting at either side of basically a table outside and having a drink. It'll be back to sort of a a more normal feel. It's going to vary country by country because you've got to bear in mind that vaccine distribution is very inequitable. 
you know, I mean, Canada's nice in that, you know, once it's uh, distributed the vaccines for its people, it, anything left over, it'll send to basically uh, countries that uh, can't afford the vaccines. But it will take time. There will be countries where it will be Q3, Q4, and this does social distancing protocols. They won't have entered. So I think for most developed markets, simply because of the infrastructure and distribution, you know, we will see that. I mean, some countries may be a, a little bit more you know, weird and wacky than others. Okay, now that we've tried doing everything online, remotely, mm-hmm. it, it turned out not everything is ideal for that. So if you talked about rationalizing some of the, you know, Band-Aid-related uh, costs and stuff like this, yes. what do you think will stick as, as more of a, hey, this, we proved that it's, it's a pretty decent use case. Is there some kind of a priorities or, or some kind of a guidance in terms of how to think about what to make it a trend? Whatever's happening at the moment is an exceptional situation. You know, the Christmas presents under our tree have been ordered via Amazon. That wouldn't necessarily have been the case years before when we can go to stores and mooch around in a relaxed way because you don't go to a store. You know, it's like going to the supermarket and shopping. It's in, out, get what you need, we're done. You know, basically masks off, hand sanitizer on, and then you move on. Online shopping will, as a percentage, drop a little bit because people are more willing to uh, go back to stores, you know, after the uh, pandemic. But that's true, I think, of, you know, most of the business processes. There isn't one that I go, that's it, case proven. Even in business, there's a human element. Yes, you can sell online, but as soon as the social distancing rules disappear, if that gives you an edge in being there in the customer's face. I mean, you yeah. did mention verticals, different yeah. industries dealing with it differently. So, I mean, yeah. for example, let's see, we, we had some of the uh, automation happening with the industries that we haven't seen. But now, with some of the restaurants and food industry kind of reshaping, do you see no. this as another big experience? That the I mean, commerce part of it is not just a support. How, how do you see this? Yeah. Happening? So there are some restaurants that I don't order from normally. I mean, with the pandemic, I have because there's particular plates that we like. Normally, we'd actually go there and have a, a meal together. So you're going to see for some restaurants, it will go back because it's about the experience, not just the food. I've not seen a process that's so sticky that people are going and pointing to it as that's been fundamentally changed. You know, but I can tell you another psychology as a picky customer as well. I may not be using it, but once I had it, and if you try to take it away, I'll be very upset. Is the adoption that happened, is that here to stay? It isn't going away. But during the pandemic, I have no choice. I have to offer it and it's costing me more. I'm not going to pass that charge on to you as a customer, okay? Because it's a pandemic. You've got uh, your social distancing. After the pandemic, we still have it as an option, but the prices are different. So there's a premium in there because it's costing me more as a business. So you haven't lost the option. It's just now the costs are being 
more properly reflected to you as a customer. So I think you will see that in the food services side. Uh, you could say, well, it's, it's, it's online, it's more efficient. No, it's not, because you've got middlemen in there that are providing these services, that are providing these charges, that are taking a cut of the credit card. Do you notice a lot of these online platforms, if you have any billing issues, you talk to the middleman. If you have a delivery issue or a food issue, you talk to the restaurant. Like the whole delivery thing, the DoorDash and the rest, it's ridiculous. People are like, I, you know, my, one of my neighbors uses it all the time. And I ask them how much they're paying. And it's like, it's doubling the price. So looking back, you now we, we yeah. went through many crazy different situations, right? Yeah. yeah. Have you observed things that should have worked that didn't work? I think on the video conferencing side, we should be a lot further ahead than we are. WebRTC has low latency. We even had a hack at Tadhack Orlando, Mini Orlando three or four years ago, where a programmer, uh, her brother runs a studio, and she'd learned about, you know, through Tadhack WebRTC and its low latency options, and she created a collaboration tool for musicians. So it was like down in like milliseconds delay. We should be there already. You should be able to use your device hands-free, especially when it's music. You can't have a headset on. And for all the reverb and noise and all that mess, we should have solved that already. I look on at video conferencing as you know, one of the big successes, but also one of the great disappointments in that we really haven't solved some basic use cases. In fact, today I was reading an email from one of the teachers that was obviously aimed at the parents, not the kids, basically saying, remember to bring your headset in when you, you know, to the kids, you know, because they weren't. And then the noise of the classroom was basically stopping people being able to hear people when they were talking, because there was just so much coming through all the different mics. So, you know, there's so many basic user issues that again, you know, it, it's not when it's a core technology issue, it's when it's that horrible, technology stroke soft you know human issue that crossover around experience i think that to me has been one of the great disappointments that we haven't solved i mean i remember back when i worked at bt in the 1990s you know over two decades ago we were doing you know psdn and isdn video conferencing and multi-party stuff as well and I sort of look at the performance of where we are today from, you know, an audio perspective, and it's not that much better, which I find is appalling. So that I'd sort of highlight is we've still got a lot of room for improvement. On the workflows, a lot have been accelerated in terms of their adoption. You know, I, I think that we've seen you know, messaging, whether it's SMS or, you know, internal corporate messaging platforms or even sort of uh, social platforms, we've seen more use of that to speed up processes, to speed up response, to help individuals work more effectively together. Uh, because email is not a real-time communication platform. You know, especially on the weekend, sometimes I'm just like, I'm not looking at my email. I want some time off. So you can message me on a Friday afternoon and I've already gone. I'm not going to be responding to maybe Sunday or it could be Monday. So, you know, there's a delay there. Well, if I received a message, 
you know, because it's on my mobile device, I might. It's an acceleration. Nothing has fundamentally changed. Okay, that's kind of depressing because I, I, I used to joke about airline industries a lot or, you know, uh, digital speed because we basically would uh, fly at the same speed as like right after World War II or something like this. So yes. any industry that has lack of uh, key metrics in terms of performance and, and they don't care about that and start doing other stuff, to me, that's a telltale sign of uh, something, you know, not very innovative is happening there or not happening in this case. That said, when I was trying so hard to enable our platform with the other CRMs and mm -hmm. even ERP systems these days now, part of what my customers are saying that their problem is, is that there's this whole feel-good wording of omni-channel where the, <sighs> the orchestration is not just between the channels. You talked about email versus other channels that are more real-time, right. but at the same time, like... If I have to explain all over again, whenever I move to a different channel, to me, like part of programmableness of, of this promise uh, should yes. make it really, really easier so that if I already talk to customer support and you don't give me silly, some kind of a sales message that is completely has nothing to do with it, or when I'm actually angry because the problem wasn't solved. So yes. to me, like my big beef about this is this. Not only you can add communications to what you're already doing, like I add a video or something, the, the, the programmability of taking all this, taking the data from someplace yes. and, and you know, orchestrating. And this one, I quite honestly, Alan, you have to change me this year because like when I say orchestration, I see eyes rolling. <laughs> so, so, so tell me how this is going to be different yes oh yeah it, well first of all it's got worse because of all the band-aids now at the aggregation level we've seen significant commoditization we've seen a number of players join forces so like you know infobit open market where the reason they're sort of coming together is because you know, they can better control pricing to maintain margin on you know, what is ever more competitive because it's having to compete against other communication mechanisms, whether it be push messaging, whether it's social, web chat, email, and voice are still valid forms of communication with their own time temporalness because you know when i send a, a sort of like a, a a contact through a web form i have a very different perception of the response rate than when i call versus when i send a text so each has their own temporalness but anyway when we look at the m a we've got consolidation on the pipes uh, and that's been happening, but it really accelerated through 2020 and will do into 2021. But where the value is, it's all up in terms of workflow. So we've discussed that a number of times now around you know, different uh, enterprise workflows. Also around customer experience. You already gave some examples of where I might contact the business through multiple channels simply because I have time, I'm calling, or I'm doing something else and I'm using the web chat or I'm sending a text because you know I'm, I'm mobile, but I still haven't had a response to this issue. And they should all have the same 
access to here's the script for how Alan's contacted us over the past X number of days. A lot of commercial companies that supply to restaurants uh, and also food processing, that all closed down. And they had to move to supplying direct to consumers. Now, they only have a few call agents that are used to dealing with tens to hundreds of uh, you know, deliveries a day. To keep themselves in business, they had to then start moving direct to consumer. So now they're moving to tens of thousands. They can't manage that by voice. They did when it was commercial. Now it's notification by text. So that was added in, but it wasn't in any way integrated with their existing platform. It was basically, you know, you know what they're doing? They're just basically doing Excel spreadsheets or, you know, sort of uh, comma separated variables and cut and pasting, you know, because it's, it's all emergency. It's just, we have to survive. You know, this is the band-aids I was referring to. The value now, uh, and this is very much, we see it in the M&A space, is around workflow, customer experience, and fraud and security. Because what's happened is we've got a lot more online transactions taking place. And what's happened during that time? It's, you know, fraud has just jumped up enormously because people are taking advantage of it through phishing, a whole range of things. So now knowing somebody's identity when they're calling in or sending a message, being able to have some degree of risk associated with that is very important. And it also goes hand in glove with experience. Because if I know it's Alan that's calling, he's calling from his mobile phone that you know he's had for the last 20 years in terms of mobile phone number, I've got great confidence that this is Alan. And I'm going to take him to IVR because he's happy with IVR because it's quick, it's easy. I'm going to give him some additional options that I wouldn't give to you know, somebody calling in where I have low risk profile. So, or it could be, it's Alan. We know Alan is particularly fussy about social media, does not want anything over any Facebook property. We'll send him an SMS. So again, the type of customer communication will very much depend, you know, not on the context. And this is a very important piece. It was brought up actually um, at TED Summit, uh, Amir Americas, was the importance of context around customer communication. That comes back to what you were saying before about orchestration, because an important input to how you orchestrate that is also customer context, because that impacts how you communicate, when you communicate, but also the importance that a customer is assigning to that communication. What do you see as a main drive? I understand each organization may have their own different approach and solution to this. If there is a main hub to orchestrate this, do you see yeah. it happening on a communications layer where, you know, no. recognizing those phone or is it coming from, how is it going to happen? I see it, it's higher up. Yeah, I, where I'm seeing most activity last year and into this year is in the contact center. And it comes back to this consolidation I was talking about before, where you know, contact centers or call centers had to get online and get their agents virtualized in less than a week. And they brought in a Band-Aid of sometimes a CSAS solution. Sometimes they just did some rerouting 
And then they realized, you know, once they've got it there, it works. It's reliability, the price points, the fact that they can add stuff, they can integrate stuff at a fraction of the price they can with their legacy platform. So they can now start building up a real degree of confidence on the business case. It's not just salespeople telling them how wonderful the world of cloud is. They're experiencing it themselves. And wherever your centralized customer database, but when it's communication centric, that should sit in the contact center and should work across all the different platforms, whether it's the website, whether it's email, messaging, social, all communications that I as a brand have had with that customer is consolidated there. So in year 2021-2022, if you were trying to bring in a programmable communication to contact center and having a meeting to deliver a meaningful end CX and, and customer experience, yes. who should be in the room together and having this conversation? <laughs> It's a hard one to answer because it depends on the vertical, the industry. A brand's most important assets, it's not a cost center. Most brands are moving to messaging because it's cheaper, because you can use your agent to have multiple conversations rather than using voice. It's brand, it's marketing, it's all your workflows begin and end at there. So it's tough because I think there's a strategic change that needs to happen with a lot of enterprises around how they evaluate the importance of communication. Who you need in the room from the enterprise, I would say it's almost like all the VPs. It's the whole management team because this is core to how their business operates. But at the very least, you should have not just the contact center people, but all the necessary workflows associated with any line of business that's impacted so that you know, the customer data is as federated, because you're not going to get consolidated. It's as federated as possible. This is back to the trends I was talking about, where the focus, you know, we've got consolidation on the pipes and roll up, roll up, roll up. And then people are where the value is being created is around the sort of workflows, customer experience, fraud and security. And it's the providers of those solutions to the enterprises. And that's a whole variety. It could be, you know, the uh, UCAS provider, so the unified communications, so it's the enterprise comms provider. They could be rolling in, you know, a whole range of different workflows in there. It could be salesforce.com. Basically, they've got comm solutions in there. It could be Microsoft. It could be a local integrator that operates in your city that does most of the IT for your organization. And basically, you know, because of you know, the open source platform they're using or because of the uh, technology partner that they're working with, you know, say uh, Tintech, they've now got this dashboard and they add that dashboard in as just one sheet on a number of sheets that the enterprise uses for you know, managing their IT. And now they've got one that helps them manage all the customer communication across all the different channels. So no longer is messages lost or, oh yes, we did send them a marketing message. So now, before I let you go, 
I just have a one little nosy question. Can you tell us what you use the most on your phone? Like name three things, please. Mm -hmm. I have like a Google directory. So that's the one that gets hit the most. And within there, Gmail. Because, you know, when I'm not at my laptop, then, you know, basically the alerts come through there. The next is BBC News. I, you know, fair and balanced, as they say. Uh, and then the other one is in entertainment. And that tends to get used on the weekends. And my favorite within entertainment at the moment is Polytopia. Fair and balanced. <laughs> All right. With that, I want to thank you again. That was just awesome. And I look forward to continuing this discussion. And I am so going to bring you back at the end of 2021 and go through those predictions. Thank you again, Jean, for having me on board. Thanks again to Alan Quayle for joining us today. You can find more about Alan at alanquayle.com. To find out more about Jean and Tintech, visit tintech.com. Make sure to subscribe to Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Tintech, thanks for listening.